But I want you to do something right now before we get started. Um, we got a lot of stuff to, to cover today. And what we're going to be looking at is foundational to being a believer. So if you would, just humor me and just close your eyes. And in this quiet moment, I want you to pray to God and mean it. Say, God, speak to me. Speak to me today. You can open your eyes. Now, we've been in John for the past few weeks, and we're going to be in John today. But as we look, in John, John has a great account of Christ. But in there, he has set what's known as the seven I am statements. Seven times Jesus, he says, I am this. Was there anybody else in the Bible that said, I am? Remember God said in the Old Testament, I said, I am. And that's what Jesus is saying here in these statements. He's saying, I am God. I think the music just lined up real perfect with today, as it always should. It pointed us straight to Christ, straight to Jesus. Everything was Jesus. And hopefully by the time we leave today, we, we realize that there is nothing else. In John 6.35, don't turn there. I'm, that's a fake out. I heard the Bibles. I'm glad you got your Bibles. Psych, not going there. Um, but, but in John 6.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In 8.12, he said, I am the light of the world. In 10.7, he said, I am the door of the sheep. 10.11, he goes on, he says, I am the good shepherd. 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. One of my favorites, John 14.6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Bold. So I tell you what, that's what I need in my life. Whether you realize it or not, that's what you need in your life. 15.1, he says, I am the true vine. See, and when he says, I am the true vine, Jesus made, he's making an agricultural statement. One thing I like about Jesus is when he makes statements and when he does these metaphors and, and different things and illustrations, he's always going to like construction. I am this, or, or, or this. He makes construction analogies. Or he does, one of my favorite is agriculture. You know, I like to deal with the land and the growth and everything like that. Let me ask you something. Anybody ever seen all these famous pictures of Christ? I know we've all seen the one where Jesus got his little bitty hand up. And there's the heart in there. Y'all know the one where he's got the beautiful curly little hair and he's, he's certainly whitewashed. And he's, he's, he's just so pretty. 
And he's, you know, maybe like, come to me. Like, we've all seen that one. I really can't stand those pictures. I can't, because that's not Jesus. Look, Jesus is always talking about building stuff, construction. He's talking about working the land. He's talking about the vines. How How many landscapers, construction workers, people like that, are these little, cute, pretty people? Think about it. Uh Uh-uh. No, I can't. I can't deal with that. That's not Jesus, guys. He's not cute and pretty. He was a man. Jesus was a man. He went in and he flipped the tables up in the temple. And they didn't nobody whoop him. You know what I'm saying? They looked at him. Okay. He was a man. He was the man. He was the son of man. I can't even watch any any really like I, I will say the Passion of the Christ is probably my favorite picture of Jesus. I, th- I think he did a halfway decent job, but I, I can't even watch him because when I see this actor portraying Jesus, he always falls so short, so short. That's something that can't be lived up to. There is no actor that can do that. Nobody can come close to the name of Jesus. But in looking at these things, Jesus, he's he's making these things. He does that. And Scripture uses a lot of different ways to describe the nature of the true believer's relationship to him. And that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. Our relationship, the true believer's relationship to him. Throughout the Bible, he, he compares that relationship to... A sheep and the shepherd. A child and the father. A servant and a king. A slave and a master. A body and the head. And what we look at today, branches. And the vine. You see, in all those pictures of the relationship, Jesus is supremely the one that matters. No doubt. You got a servant and a king. Who's important there and who's not? The king is important and the servant is not. The sheep, the shepherd. Those sheep are in huge trouble without that shepherd. That slave relies on that master. That body needs, absolutely no question, needs that head. And those branches are worthless. Completely worthless without that vine. Go ahead and open your Bibles up. We're going to be in John 15, starting in verse 1. And what I want us to do right now is I, let's just quickly read through this and then we'll come back and unpack it some. Um, John 15, 1. I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. This is, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. 
They're just coming right out of the Last Supper. Jesus knows that he is about to go to the garden, be betrayed, and by this time, tomorrow, will be tried and crucified. He knows this. And these are the words that he speaks to them. I believe that, that they're probably, they've left the upper room. And they're at least on the way to the garden, if not approaching the garden or in the garden. When he speaks these words. And he looks at them. I believe there was probably these huge vines, like over in Israel, in sight. Jesus says, hey guys. I and the true vine. And he goes on, he says, my father, he is the vine dresser. He is the one that takes care of the vine. He is the one that makes sure that the vine is producing. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, God the father, he takes away. The versions say lifts up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? Why does he bear, why does he prune the branches? So that it will bear more fruit. He goes on in verse 3, he says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's talking to his disciples. He, re- he refers back to chapter 13 in the washing of the feet. And he's, and he's telling his disciples, you, you're already clean. You got it. You're, you're my believers. You're my guys. But he wants, to, he wants to, them to not go any further. He's like, you guys need to know this. Because he knows tomorrow I'm not going to be with you. And you're going to be all kinds of shook up. I need you to know this. And he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Listen to this. One of the main words, we've got two words we really, really want to focus in on today. And here is one of them. Abide. He says, abide in me. And I love this part. He says, and I in you. I will abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. He is the vine. If it does not abide in the vine, he says, neither can you unless you abide in me. You will not, you cannot, it's an impossibility for you to bear fruit without being in the vine, connected to the true vine. See, that's the other word that we're looking at today. We want to look at abide and what that means, and we want to look at fruit. This is foundational to where we're at, and if we want, if we want to be serious and take serious where we are at with Jesus, what our relationship with Jesus is, we have to know where we're at with these two words. Abide in me. In verse 5, he says, I am the vine. You... Us, we are the branches. And here's the deal, guys. In verse 2, he said, you're the branches and you're one of two branches. You either bear fruit or you do not. There's only two groups. There's not a, a group of one that wants to bear fruit. There's the, You bear fruit or you do not. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, what does he do? He bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen, guys. Amen. Without him, you can do absolutely nothing. That's what Christ is saying. That's what he's telling his disciples right then. That's what he's telling us today. Without him, we can do nothing. It's impossible. If anyone does not abide in me, listen to this. This is a little scary, guys. He is cast out. As a branch, the branch is removed from the vine and is withered. What do they do with withered branches? They gather them and throw them into the fire. They are burned. If you abide in me and in my words, abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Pretty cool. And it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Back at fruit. So you will be my disciples. We go on in 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that that my joy, Jesus' joy, may remain in you, branch, These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus is saying, may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. Do we want full joy? Certainly we do. But there's two things we've got to do if we want that joy, is what he's talking about. We've got to abide and bear fruit. So what does abide mean? You break that word down, you look at it. It simply means remain. It means stay. You're, you're with Jesus no matter what. Like this is where I, like I am hunkering down right here with Jesus. That's abiding. I'm not going anywhere. I lose my job. I'm not going anywhere. I've got marital problems. I'm not going anywhere. Whatever circumstance comes by, you are not going anywhere. You're remaining. You're abiding. Why? Because all life comes through the vine. We can't do anything without the vine. Why are we going to go anywhere else? But we do it. It's foolish. Jesus plainly says, just stay with me. Just stay with me. Sometimes we don't hunker down. Curious. What would happen if I did? We know the outcome. There's certainly no fruit being produced when we don't abide. The scripture is clear. That's not happening. You see, when he abides in us, when Christ abides in us, you know what abides in us within Christ? Life. John 14 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus comes in, he's in there and life is injected into us. Right? We need life in us. You have life in you. Does your walk with God, does, does your relationships everywhere else outside of here, does it look like there's life in you? Because here's the thing, when Jesus comes in, when, when the Trinity takes residence in our heart and in our soul and it comes in and injects life, here's the deal, something changes. The Bible says we are dead in our trespasses. Dead. But life comes in. Something changes. I want you to ask yourself right now, what has changed in my life because of Christ? Now don't hurry through that question. Let that thing sit for a minute. What has changed in my life since Christ. Because when you get that shot of Jesus, something's got to change. Because life has come in. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit comes in and lives within us. One of the blessings that we get from abiding in the vine is salvation. God comes in and lives in us, and something has got to give. Something has got to change. Is that true in your life? Ask yourself that question. Don't just look at me up here hollering. Ask yourself that question. Has something happened in my life? Am I different? Because if I'm just going through my life, my Christian life, and I'm doing this, and I go to church, and I do that, but there's never really any, like, boom moment... Are you in the vine? Because Jesus is saying, if you're in the vine, something's going to happen here. What happens? Fruit is produced. So we know that. That's easy. It's fruit. I'll be here for a minute. Well, before we go on, I forgot a point. Um, when we're looking at Christian growth, or growth in general, but we want to apply it to our Christian growth. There's basically two kinds of growth. There's a mechanical, where things are added. Things are put in. Things are built. If I want a pile of something here, how do I make a pile? I put stuff on, and it grows. I want this church to be built. I take something from here, I put it, I put it together, and mechanically I put it together. And what do we grow? We grow this building. We grow this church. That's one type of growth. The other type of growth is organic. I got two of the best little boys in the world. I know y'all got good kids, but mine are the best. Okay? Like, honestly, they're great. But my little son right here, he's awesome. I love him. Oh, I can't even describe. But And I want him to grow. I want him to grow up. I want him to be a man. But I don't add stuff to him to grow. 
Like I'm not, I, I, try, I do try to get him to take his vitamins. But I, I, it's not like I'm like pouring stuff on him and like I'm going to put some extra hair on his head where he'll get taller or I'm going to stick an extra bone in his leg where he'll shoot up. He does that on his own or through God. It's organic growth. Life is in him and because of that he is growing. Well, it's the same for us spiritually. See, here's the problem with all of us, myself included. We want to grow, but we think we're going to do it mechanically. Well, I need to go to church. I need to read my Bible. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to love my wife. I need to pray with my wife. I need to do this. And the list grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And all those things are important. They're certainly important. But we're never going to be able to abide in Christ. And we're never going to be able to grow spiritually if we just keep increasing the list of things that we need to do. We have to grow organically. And that is from the life that was placed in us when the Trinity comes and resides in us, in our soul. Do y'all have a soul? Where's it at? No, like I, I, I feel it in there. And like I can, I can come from the front and I can come from the back. And, start, and like I can't get it, but it's in there. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's this secret place. It's in that secret place that, that God comes and resides. And because of him residing and because of him abiding in us, we grow organically. We produce fruit. It's, it's, we don't have to try to do it. It happens. Because God's doing the growing. Are you growing? Are you producing? Where's the fruit? Church, where's the fruit? I want to look at fruit for a little bit. I've got some scriptures. I've got a bunch of scripture. If y'all want to turn, you can. And if you don't, uh, just listen. Make a note. Um, but right now I'm going to Matthew 3, 7 through 10. This is John the Baptist. And he says, But when, when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come into his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, we know this verse, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. That's the first fruit I want us to look at. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For we say that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. Even now, listen to this, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Does that sound like anything else we've heard today? It does. The first fruit that I want to look at is repentance. I'm afraid that... That we in this church and the church down the road and the church in Arkansas and California and wherever in China, everywhere, every church that has believers in it, we're not taking seriously repentance. We think we can just say a little prayer and we can believe that, that Jesus is out there and, and that's good. And we put all our stock and all our faith in us saying a few words. 
Let me tell you something, church. There's a whole lot more to it than that. You hear me? There's a whole lot more to it than that. Just because you were 11 years old and you said a prayer, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Now, I'm not saying you can't be saved at 11 because I believe you can. But I can't I, I can say that I believe there's going to be fruit. And one of those fruits is repentance. What is repentance? It's turning around. It's, oh my God, this is what I'm living for, I'm living for. And then you realize that Jesus is real and he come and he died for you and, and he wants to save your life and he comes in and he resides in you. And then you turn around. Like, that is not right, I'm going this way. Repentance. Repentance is a godly sorrow over sin. It's not a sorrow over the consequences of sin. It's sorrow over sin itself. I remember, oh man, I can't never forget. I remember sitting down at a church and, oh, God revealed to me I was a sinner. And, oh my God, I didn't know. No, I had plenty of sin. I had plenty of sin. And I couldn't narrow one down. I wasn't just sorry for this one. I was sorry because I was a sinner. Have you ever been sorry, not because of this or this, but sorry because you're a sinner? We don't even hear that word much anymore. Have you ever been sorry that you're a sinner? Because that produces repentance. And repentance is fruit that comes from abiding in the vine. You see, true sorrow and true repentance, it leads to life. Sorrow over just the way things are going and life and the consequences of bad decisions, that just leads to death. That just leads to you feeling bad. Sometimes it leads to suicide. It leads to death. But God's sorrow, the repentance of sin, it leads to life. It leads to you changing like, this, this life sucks, I'm going over here. If that offended anybody, I'm sorry. But that's what it's like. Repentance. I want to flip over one page. Matthew um, 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. You will be known by your fruits. We're all known by our fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree, what does it do? It bears good fruit. And a bad tree, what's it bear? Bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Do you hear that, church? A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. What kind of fruit do you have? Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Have we heard that? Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Listen to this. This is the scariest verse in the Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven... But he who does the will of my Father in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord... Have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Have we not worked at church? Have we not served at this? Have we not done this and we did it in your name? 
What's Jesus say? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You're fruitless. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What are you basing your salvation on? An important question. He goes on, and I'm just going to paraphrase because of lack of time. In 24, he talks about those that build, build their life, build their house on the rock. Jesus says, the rock. Like, the rock doesn't move. It's planted. It's there. That's the person who's abiding in Christ. But some of us, I'm afraid, we're building our house, our religious house, and it's on sand. And one day the storm's going to come and that junk is gone. It is washed out. What are you putting your faith in? Repentance, guys. Have you ever truly down in that soul, that mystery part, that secret place, have you been sorry A godly, holy sorrow over your sin. Because repentance is one of the first fruits that we look at. You see, the Bible says faith without works is dead. I would also say that belief without repentance is dead. It's false. I'll prove that point in a little bit. The second that I want to look at, the second scripture that I'm going to look at is Galatians 5.22. We all know it. But, but, but one other fruit that we have is, is a fruit of our attitudes. How we think and how we feel, our attitudes. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. How do you love? Joy. Are you joyful inside? Do you have a joyful attitude? Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. What's your attitude like? Because that's fruit. If you're abiding in the vine, your attitude should show it. If you've got a bad attitude at church, I hate to know what you're like out there. I said it. Is that you? Fruit is our attitude. Are we loving? Are we joyful? Are we peaceful? Are you starting junk everywhere? We all know people that just start junk everywhere. That's you? We'll know you by your fruit. You'll be known by your fruit. We're going to hurry. The fruit of attitude. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by Him, Him being Christ, by Him, let us continually... See that word continually? We all know what that means. Continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. 
The person that is attached and abiding to the true vine, to Jesus Christ, that person, one of those fruits is the fruit of their lips. They worship. They praise. They give thanksgiving. I've got to watch myself. Somebody come and tell me, how are you? Well, I'll tell you all the junk that I dealt with this week. Shame on me and shame on you. If we're abiding, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you how good God is. I had a horrible week, but God is good. Fruit of the lips. Are you bearing it? You see, you know what worship is? Worship is saying back to God the same things that he says about himself. Worship is saying to God the things that he says about himself. God says he's merciful. God says he's graceful. God says he's a righteous judge. God says he is holy. Say those things back to him. God, you are good. God, you said that you would bless me. God, you said that you would answer my prayers. And my wife prayed so hard for that little boy right there. And to this day, whenever I pray, I'm, I thank God. God, you said that you would that you would hear my prayer, and He did. And He just gave me the best one. God, God cares about us. Those that are abiding, how could He not? We're in Him, and He's in us. You think He's in that secret place? He don't know those hurts that we've got, those struggles. We praise him. I don't care what kind of junk I dealt with in the past week. It doesn't compare to the answered prayers that God has given. My God, people, I am blessed. You are too. We need to that should be the fruit of our lips. Number four, y'all ain't gonna like this. Philippians four. Verses 10. Here you got, going 10 through 17. Here you got Paul writing a letter to the Philippians. He's kind of letting them know where he's at. He says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at, at, your, your last, at last your care for me has flourished again. I rejoice because your care for me has flourished again. Though you did surely care. But you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned that whatever state I am in, I am content. We could practice that. I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Whatever. Doesn't matter. I'm going to be all right. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Listen to this. He says, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. One of the most out of context verse ever used. That's a different sermon. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared. You shared, Philippian church, in my distress. Now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, 
No church shared with me the concern of giving and receiving. No church was helping me out, but you only. For in even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once. When I, when I was there in Thessalonica, you sent aid once. And again, what? For my necessities. Not that I seek the gift. Like, I'm not saying this because I want a gift. But this is what I seek. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. The fruit. The fruit of giving. You see, Paul was in need. And the believers here, because they abided in the vine, they saw a need and they met that. How did they meet it? Out of their pocketbook. Out of their wallet. That was a fruit. Guys, that is a fruit. And I'm just going to just here for a second. Giving is a fruit. Giving is a proof that you abide. I'm not saying give. Creator of the world and the Savior of the world says that your giving is proof that you abide in me and I abide in you. That hurts. You own it. Colossians 1.10 goes on and says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Righteous behavior is a fruit. Before, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Those are attitudes. Those are things that we have inside, but they affect what happens on the outside. Fruit is how you act. Sometimes I will act a fool, and I wish that wasn't in the Bible, but it is. So that hits me right in the face, just like I know it does you. How we act is proof of whether or not we or a branch that abides. God cares about how you act. God cares about how you speak. Romans one thirteen. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you. He's talking to the Romans. But I was hindered until now. That I might have some fruit 
among you also, just as among other Gentiles. Fruit. Witnessing. Leading other people to God. Don't raise your hands. Who's led somebody to the Lord? Who cares about leading someone to the Lord? Now, we're in here, we're in church, we're all, Woo, Jesus! He's my Savior, He's everything. But you haven't told a soul about it. It's the truth. I don't want you walking out of here feeling good. God doesn't want you walking out of here feeling good because we've got some stuff to deal with, church. I, myself, have stuff to deal with. I think the statistic says that 90% of people that claim to be a Christian will never share their faith. But the Bible, hold up, hold up, hold up. The Bible says that those that abide in me and I in them will bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. And here Paul says that fruit is sharing the gospel. Fruit is leading people to the Lord. I mean, are, are you... Are you Are you saying what it sounds like you're saying? Yeah. Guess what? I'm saying it. Now, I'm not saying that you're not a believer because you've never shared the gospel. I am certainly not saying that. But I'm saying God sure wants you to. And that is a proof that you abide in him and he in you. That's a proof. But that's it for a minute. I've been a believer for about 15 years. Praise God. I have seen evangelism efforts decline rapidly in 15 years. God's still good. God still wants to save. God still wants to do in other people's lives what he did in mine. Am I not telling people? Are you? Fruit. It's fruit. We got ten more. I'm kidding. We're shutting this thing down. I could do ten more, but we're not. Uh, if I go ahead and turn with me to this. Second Peter one. Starting in verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to your virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. 
to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours, and they abound, listen, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this, church. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Got in church. Therefore, brethren, I want you to catch this. If you're asleep, wake up and catch this. Hey! If you're asleep, wake up and catch this. I'm joking. Nobody's asleep that I know of. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Make sure that your call to God, your election, your belief, your salvation is true. Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's only eternity, guys. Now, I, I, I've studied eternity. And you know what I've found out? We can't grasp it. That's how long and big it is. Because there's two choices. Play with it. Don't play with it. Make your call and your election sure. Come to God with fear and trembling and say, God, where are we at? Where's where's our relationship? Am I the sheep and are you the shepherd? Am I the branch? Are you the vine? Am I the branch that bears fruit or am I thrown in the fire? Ask yourself this. But he says, if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you, listen to this, abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ache. Your call, sure. Guys, those are some examples of fruit. I want to go back to John 15 just for a second. Start in 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this... By you abiding in the true vine, and the true vine abiding in you, my Father is glorified, and you will bear much fruit. You will bear much repentance. You will bear much giving. You will bear much good, godly attitudes and righteous behavior. You will bear much sharing the gospel. 
And by this, so you prove. You will be my disciples, is what Christ says. You see, the fruit is the proof of genuine discipleship. Fruit is the proof of genuine discipleship. What are you bearing? What does your life look like? Are you bearing fruit? You say, I believe. I'm a disciple. I follow. I go to church. Shoot, I even go on Wednesdays. I do this. Scott just talked about feeding the 5,000. However many thousands. There was multitudes there. John six sixty six says this from that time, right after they had seen Jesus do all this healing, all these miracles, it says from that time many disciples, they are called disciples, they went back. And they walked with him, Christ, no more. See, they thought they were disciples too. They followed for a while, but they didn't abide. They didn't remain. They didn't stay. They didn't bear fruit. You know what they did? You know what? I fear... This might be some of you. They come and watch the show. Walk out of here and say, I've seen the show. Tommy got up there and hollered about Jesus for a little bit. Yeah, church. Got fruit. Fruit proves your disciple. Pray we played the game for far too long. You know how I know that we played the game for far too long? Look at this world on the outside. Look at your family. Look at your community. Just been playing the game. We've got to abide, church. Once again, this is not a list of stuff to do. You don't achieve this by saying, I need to do this, 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 and this. Because you will fail. If you'll just each day try to stick with Jesus. Not worry about the list of stuff you need to do. Just stick with Jesus. He's going to guide you to where you need to go. Here's the deal. In closing. We're all at one of two places. We're a branch that bears fruit and we abide. We don't abide. We bear no fruit. Wrong. Pass away. 
at church. Be worried about anything that what we started with. God, speak to me. Hey, God, he come. We're getting geared up for Easter. I hope you are. God, come. Starting in Genesis, God created a world in which things were going to be perfect. And we messed it up. Immediately, God said, ooh, you messed up, you messed up, you must die. But, oh, thank God for the but. He said, but I'm going to send one. And he did. He sent Jesus Christ to come down here and take your payment. Or, or make a payment on your behalf and take your sin. See, the way to abide is just simply coming to Christ and saying, God, thank you for taking that. Thank you for doing that. Lord, I believe in you. And then you repent from your ways. You can't just say, yes, I believe God is real, Jesus is real, and not have any change come about. There has to be repentance. Have you ever truly repented? You know. Everybody would stand. This altar is open. If you need to speak to someone about repentance, we're going to have some people down here. And if God has revealed to you, God, I know I'm yours, and I, I abide in you, But Lord, my fruit is pretty shabby. Come down to the altar. Abide in Him. And tell Him, Lord, I need your help. Lord, help me to abide. And He'll do it. He will do it. One more verse. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You need help abiding Come and ask. Don't be afraid of what people's going to think. We're screwed up, every one of us. Don't tell yourself, I'm going to fix this when I get home. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Abide, church. Do what you feel God's leading you to do.